This is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 and 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And so ends the reading of God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. Let's pray together. Father, this is your word, and every word of it is true, and every word of it is useful for our teaching, rebuke, correction, and instruction. We pray that your spirit would be with us this morning. Give us ears to hear your grace. Give us ears to hear your comfort and your encouragement to us. Would you deepen our faith and help us to walk in it for the sake of your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week when we were considering these stories of faith, these examples of faith, we saw in the faith of Moses that faith chooses a kingdom. By faith, we submit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ as our king, and we become members of his kingdom. And the week before that, when we were considering the faith of Abraham, we were told that faith makes us exiles in the midst of this world, that even though we are part of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are still resident aliens in the midst of this world, and as such, we are oppressed We are battered and bruised. But the good news of the gospel, beloved, is that we worship and serve a king who is a victorious king. Our God has promised that this king will be victorious, that his kingdom will never fail, and that even while we are oppressed in the midst of this, even while we are these exiles, Jesus said that he is building his kingdom, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he also said that he is building his kingdom through the members of the kingdom. So our story, our passage today, finds us in the promised land after having made it through the wilderness. God had promised to Abraham a land And by the hand of Moses, he had delivered his people out of Egypt and led them through the wilderness up to the promised land. And God had promised victory for his people. He had promised that he would fight for them and that they would indeed take the land. And yet, faith is not merely believing in our heads and and hearing it, but taking God at his word and taking action as a result of what we believe. And such was the case even with the conquest of the promised land. That God had promised that victory, but victory would come by faith. God would fight for his people, but he would fight through the work of his people. And so this passage is centered around the city of Jericho. Jericho's this first major city that Israel would have come across after crossing the Jordan into the promised land, and they were given a test of faith, would they trust in the Lord and be victorious? And what we'll see in this passage is that the Lord grants victory for his people through faith. Faith gives us victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And when we talk about this notion of victory, there's actually a couple different angles that we will see in this passage that faith grants us victory in conquest and faith grants us victory from conquest. In conquest and from conquest. And so we'll turn to these two angles now. So first, faith grants us victory in conquest. But first what we need to see is that apart from faith, there is no hope for victory. There's no hope for victory. If, we, if you look at verse 29, which is where we ended last week, we heard about the faith of Israel as they, led, as they were led through the Red Sea on dry ground. But between verse 29 and verse 30, there is a long gap of time, 40 years time, an entire generation. What's missing in between those two verses is any account of those people that were led out of Egypt. Their faithlessness caused them to fall in the wilderness. God had promised the same promise of victory to them. But if you remember, these were the people that we heard about earlier in the book of Hebrews. These were the people that hardened their hearts and out of fear refused to trust in God's promise. And as a result, God swore on an oath, they will never enter my rest. They will certainly fall in the wilderness. And so even though the promise was granted, they did not receive that promise by faith. This victory, this God-worked victory can only be received by faith. The spoils of victory that God promises in Christ Jesus are only ours when we obtain them by faith. We must trust that God will work this out. We must act in accordance with this truth. God will accomplish his victory regardless. But the question is, will you and I be beneficiaries? Will we benefit from that victory? That question is answered only by knowing whether we will walk by the faith that we need. But this new generation, the second generation, actually did cross into the promised land and they came to the city of Jericho and they demonstrated that this faith, this spirit worked faith was indeed evident. And there's a couple things that we can see about their faith. First is that uh, faith works this boldness, clinging to God's promises. It, they were, they were given a task to conquer Jericho. And if you remember, many years before, spies had gone into the, the promised land and they saw giants. They said, we, we, we looked like grasshoppers compared to these people. They, they are too mighty for us, was what the faithless spies had said. And that was probably still ringing in the year, ears of this second generation many years later. And they came to Jericho with fortified walls, and this was a country that had been, a, a group of people that had been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't have the weapons of war like artillery or battering rams in order to take this city. They would, God told them to, to march around the city. They would have been exposed to the soldiers on the wall. And yet there was a boldness. They didn't have the weapons 
of the war, but they did have the promise of God's presence. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, which God gave just on the other side of the Jordan, God had said this, If you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So will the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. You shall not be in dread of them, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. They had a boldness because God himself was among them and he was securing their victory. So they had a bold faith. The other was they had an obedient faith. An obedient faith. Sometimes, beloved, God's commands and instructions for us, how we ought to live, seem foolish to us. Certainly was the case in Jericho. They, the people of Israel were commanded to march around the city one time a day. They were to say nothing. The priests were to carry trumpets and sound a loud blast. They do that six days in a row, and on the seventh day, they were to march around seven times. And after the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, they were all to shout. That was the battle plan. That's how they were going to take this fortified city. Beloved, that is not the way to capture a fortified city. And yet, beloved, the, the walls fell down because that was God's ordained means to bring about victory. That was God's means. And the, the walls fell because God was faithful to his promises to his people. He would fight for them. He is the one who tore them down by his might. They received that victory by faith. And beloved, God's promises to you and to me are ours because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself marched to Jerusalem on the way to the cross in what was a bold and risky means of march. Um, he knew that he would be killed. He knew that he would be betrayed. And yet he marched out of obedience to the cross because this was God's ordained means to bring about victory. And God was faithful. God was faithful through the obedience of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It, is, it was an irrational means of bringing salvation. What king can establish his kingdom by laying down his life? And yet it was through the laying down of his life that God has given him an eternal kingdom by the power of an indestructible life, a kingdom that will never fail. This was God's glorious means of salvation, and this, beloved, is the foundation of our hope for victory. And it's the same is true for us, beloved. I mean, God's commands for us, his, his directions for us can just seem outright silly from time to time. I mean, it makes no sense to build an ark for salvation when there is no rain. It makes no sense to 
believe that a 90-year-old woman will conceive and bear a child. It makes no sense to give up the treasures of Egypt to be to face reproach. It face, makes no sense to march around a city in order to conquer it. And yet, the foolishness of God is wiser, the Apostle Paul said, than the wisdom of man. Faith trusts God regardless of whether it makes sense to us. The Apostle Paul said the, the, the words of the cross, the message of the cross is folly. It appears as foolishness to those who are perishing. And beloved, if, if that is the case, if you, if you understand or you hear the words of the gospel and it seems like foolishness because it's too simple, simply all I have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I will be saved, that someone else, a death that happened 2,000 years ago somehow cleanses me from all unrighteousness simply by believing it. That makes me right with God. Don't I have to do something? Beloved, that simple truth is our only hope. It is our only hope. That is the means of victory. God says, believe in this and you will be saved. You will receive victory. Paul said that this message is folly to those who are perishing, but for us who are being saved, this is the power of God. But through Christ, we don't just receive victory. We also obtain victory. We obtain victory. But it has to come through God's means. The prophet Zechariah said, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's what the Israelites experienced at Jericho. It wasn't by their might, but by the Spirit of God bringing about his purposes. And beloved, there, God now works through the foolishness and the weakness of the ministry of the gospel. Apostle Paul says that we have this treasure, this treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ in jars of clay. We are those jars of clay, those feeble, weak means. And it's through that gospel and the simple truth of that gospel that we achieve victory. I mean, we face all sorts of enemies and oppression and what have you, in the midst of this life. And wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be nice if God just said, well, you know what? Zion Church, what I want you to do is I want you to march around the town of Prosper for about a week, and at the end, all wickedness will be destroyed, and this will be your land. Well, beloved, God has given to us his means of victory, hasn't he? Preach the word in season and out of season. Go into all the nations and make disciples by, by baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Between the two of them, win him over. Teach these things to your children. That, those are the means that God has given to us to achieve this victory. The, the simple, feeble ways through the people of God. Brothers and sisters, why do you let 
your fear get in your way of achieving the victory that the Lord promises. Lord Jesus Christ said, do not fear, for I am with you always. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. For it is God who works in you to will and to work according to his good pleasure. God works through us weak vessels as we carry out the foolishness of the gospel, which is the power of God for our salvation. Beloved, be bold. Be bold for the gospel. Faith makes us bold. One one author said that there's He described it as three degrees of faith. I think this is helpful. First degree of faith is a faith that receives Christ as an empty-handed beggar. The second degree is one that reckons reckons by faith and says, God has promised these things, standing firm on those promises. But the third is a faith that risks, that takes risks, Because God is faithful and says, it doesn't make sense. I don't see how this will work out, and yet I will walk by faith. Beloved, where is God calling you to take a risk for the sake of the gospel? So faith gives us victory in conquest, but faith also gives us victory from conquest. As the Israelites were approaching Jericho, God, according to his promises, had gone before them. And news of what God was doing through Israel reached the ears of the people of Jericho. And they were terrified. Um, Rahab said that the news had come and, and that fear of you has fallen upon us. Fear of you has fallen upon us. But fear can go a couple different ways. There's different kinds of fear. There was a faithless fear that most of the people of Jericho experienced. She said, all the inhabitants of the land melt away. Woe is us. We are ruined. Our doom is sure. Let's get ready to fight. Fight to the death. We're going to lose. This God is too mighty for us. They were afraid of the coming judgment. But Rahab also had fear, but it was a reverent and holy fear, a faithful fear. She said, I know that the Lord has given you the land. She said, the Lord, the covenantal God of Israel. I know that the Lord has given you the land. The Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Do you hear that profession of faith that's coming out of the the mouth of this pagan woman claiming the faith that this God is the true God, the Yahweh, the God of Israel. And not just that he was going to conquer, but she sought refuge by faith. Please swear to me by the Lord, as I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's house. She recognized who this God was, what he was doing, 
and that this was the only place of refuge. She clung to the hope that this God would be a God of mercy and of grace. And beloved, when we look at this example of Rahab, it ought to shock us. I think we know the story of Jericho and Rahab so well that we can become numb to what is going on here. Because the Hebrews chapter 11 is like a who's who of the Old Testament. There, we see, you know, Enoch, Abel, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, these mighty men of God, these, these pillars of faith, these friends of God, these men after God's own heart. And then Rahab. Rahab, not the Israelite, but the Canaanite. Rahab, not the, the righteous, but Rahab, the prostitute. Rahab, the woman who sold her body for money. Rahab, the woman who her job was adulterous, providing an opportunity for others to commit adultery. Well, beloved, it's because of who she is that is what is so amazing. Because God had promised to go before his people and to fight for them. But obviously, obviously, beloved, one of his weapons is the weapon of grace. His grace. And I hope you see this pattern. Noah heard of God's coming judgment and he took refuge in the ark. Moses knew of the coming destroyer of the firstborn and he sprinkled the blood on the house and Rahab heard of the coming judgment of God's conquest and she sought refuge in God's people. God's people were, the community of God's people was her place of refuge. And just as the Lord Jesus Christ is the true ark from which we are saved from judgment, and just as he is the true Passover lamb that covers us and protects us, the Lord Jesus Christ has identified himself with his people. We are his body, and he works salvation through his people and the work of the church by the power of his spirit. But beloved, we what that means is that you and I are part of his waging war. We don't wage war with the weapons of this world, but with the gospel of grace. And beloved, what we can see from, from Rahab is that this is a gospel that is not just for Jew, but Jew and Gentile and every nation and tribe and tongue, but also not for the righteous, but for sinners. And there ought to be no greater encouragement for us, beloved, than to see Rahab listed in this who's who of faith. Because if you and I are honest, beloved, we are the sinners and the outcasts that need God's grace. And beloved, God loves you and extends his grace to you in Jesus Christ. And by faith, that grace is ours. And we are his. 
forever and ever. John Calvin put this beautifully, this, the, the power and the necessity of faith and what God works in this. He says, he says, those who are most exalted, those people who are most exalted, are of no account before God unless they have faith. And on the other hand, those who are hardly allowed a place among the profane and the reprobate are by faith introduced into the company of angels. Beloved, you've been introduced into the company of angels by faith in Jesus Christ. And what that ought to tell you is that there is no sin in your life. There's nothing in your background, no matter how wicked or vile, or nothing in your present that can separate you from the love of Christ. As a song we're going to sing at the end, the vilest offender that, that truly believes that moment from Jesus forgiveness receives. Beloved, Jesus Christ came to grant you forgiveness and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, just like he did for Rahab. Cling to Christ for salvation because he offers himself to you. And beloved, this is a victory from conquest because our Savior Jesus Christ has been enthroned as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he is awaiting for all of his enemies to be put under his feet. Until that time, today is the day of salvation. But he comes to us and he conquers us, but not for destruction, but from destruction. He conquers us by his love and his grace and his mercy. He saves us from judgment. But brothers and sisters, we need to see the other side of this as well. Since God is so gracious to some such as Rahab, shouldn't we be just as gracious? How can we turn our backs on those who are vile or offensive be very careful about your heart, beloved. It is so easy to become judgmental against those who you find offensive, to those who have sinned against you or sinned against someone that you love. And isn't that what the Pharisees struggle with in that law passage that we read? They, they saw Jesus spending time with tax collectors and sinners and said, how does he do that? Doesn't he know who he's spending time with? And beloved, they forgot that they needed the gospel. They, they were blind to the depth of their own sin. All of us, every one of us needs the gospel. Every one of us, your sins, brothers and sisters, are heinous in God's sight. You may have become numb to the severity of your sin, and part of that is God's mercy and gentleness with you. But your bitterness and your love of money, your lustful thoughts, your, your, your harboring hatred, all the, the smallest sin is heinous. In God's sight, and He has shown you mercy and grace. And you still need God's grace and forgiveness, and He still lavishes it upon you. But, beloved, you are much closer 
to Rahab, and I am much more closer to Rahab than we would dare to admit. But that's the nature of God's lavish grace, beloved. He's, he's given you that grace. We need the wisdom to reflect on the holiness and purity of our God and the wisdom and the insight to evaluate our hearts and to recognize the depth of our need so that in humility we can confess these sins, receive the forgiveness that God grants us in Jesus Christ, cling to the hope that is ours in him, and then walk in a way that's worthy of that calling, which, which involves loving other sinners with that same love with which we have received. Faith in Jesus Christ does not permit us to be judgmental to others, even those who have sinned against you or someone that you love. It reminds us that we are sinners in, needs of, in need of grace, and it compels us to share the hope that we have received sacrificially with those whom God puts into our lives. So dear sinner, saved by grace, whom have you judged as vile and not worthy of God's grace? I implore you, repent of your pride. Pray for them and look for opportunities to love them with the love of Christ. Last thing, I think we want to talk about with respect to this victory that God grants by faith is that faith transforms our lives. Or another way of putting it is that uh, having been recipients of the victory from conquest, that transforms into victory over sin. This woman, Rahab, she's forever called Rahab the prostitute by God's grace. And yet every indication is that she left that life of sin. The biblical genealogies tell us that she married a man named Salmon. Salmon was a leader in the tribe of Judah, an Israelite. They had a son, Boaz. Boaz, the righteous man of the book of Ruth, the one who showed love and compassion to a foreigner, an outcast by the name of Ruth. And Boaz and Ruth were of the line of King David, who was, of course, in the line of Jesus Christ. And that heritage of the gospel, the heritage of a love for the outsider, love for the sinner, was transferred down even to this son of David, Jesus Christ, who, if you remember, in one story... He found himself faced with a woman caught in adultery. And what did he say to her? He said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. And beloved, that's, that's what the faith in Jesus Christ will do. It grants us so that there is now, therefore, no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. And yet he says, go and sin no more. You have been set free. Walk by faith in the freedom that you've received in Jesus Christ. And so what you and I need, you and I need to hear is that our Savior says to us, 
neither do I condemn you. But go and sin no more. Lay, lay aside those sins and walk by faith, clinging to the hope of the gospel. And this victory of sin, beloved, can only be accomplished by faith through the power of Jesus Christ. And so, beloved, our God promises us victory in Jesus Christ. It is a certainty for us who trust in him, and apart from him, beloved, we can do nothing. But by faith, by faith, beloved, we that's victory is ours. We can join in the song, the victory song that our God has given that says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. And beloved God will work his, his victory even through you and me, the recipients of his grace. He grants us the grace to be participants, recipients, and people who delight in that forever and ever. Praise be to God, beloved. Our victory is sure. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you love us enough to save us, to care about us, and also to grant that victory. But also thank you for allowing us to be part of it. Help us to walk by faith. Help us to cling to the certainty that this is, that you will work through us by the power of your spirit because of what you have done in Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his name, amen.